and welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and if you're surviving the midsummer heat or the random associated storms, whichever you're getting, <laughs> both for us, uh, time to review your reading life and tell us what you've been reading, but before that, we're going to tell you what we've been reading. Yes, summer is always a really good reading time for me. And not as much for me, although I didn't do badly. You time. didn't. We're, we're a lot closer in number than we usually are. All right, the first one that I read is called Well Met by Jen DeLuca. I've talked about it on here several times. It's a summer reread for me because it takes place in the summer at a Renaissance fair. You can check <laughs> last uh, past, past episodes if you want to know more about it. But that was, you know, sharing what I read. All right. The next one is called The Wedding Dress Sewing Circle by Jennifer Ryan. This was historical fiction that came from Book of the Month Club. And it centers around three women in England during World War II um, who are all in the same tiny village. Two of them because they live there. One because she has been relocated when uh, a bombing in London destroyed her home and her business where she was a successful uh, high-end clothing designer. And in the small village where she agrees to join the war work um, in the sewing circle, they come across the idea of trying to help young brides by redoing old wedding dresses for them. So it's supposedly based on a true story, and it was a really sweet story, one that I wasn't sorry that I read, even if it was a little bit long. The next one is probably one of my favorite books of the year. I read it two times, like I finished it, and then I opened it and started it again. It's called Nora Goes Off Script by Annabelle Monaghan, and I don't even really know how to describe it because the synopsis doesn't sound as good as it really is. The main character is a scriptwriter, and she has written a script based on her own divorce and the happy dissolution of her marriage. She was really glad by the time her ex left, she was glad to see him go, even if it means that she's a single mom of two kids who really kind of counts on her um, writing versions of Hallmark, essentially Hallmark movies to sell. Um, but this one is based on her own life. Really famous stars are cast in it and they come to film part of the movie at her house where she and the leading man fall in love. And it's a really sweet story. But then just the complications that always have to come in these stories can be really cheesy and tired. This one was really good. Also, Nora, the main character, was just amazing. Just this really strong woman, very, you know, content and confident in herself and in her own work. The love interest, Leo, was also just great. I loved everybody. I loved the way that Annabelle Monaghan didn't lay out how you were supposed to feel about everybody and let you fill in some of the holes, some of the spaces um, with uh, your own thoughts and ideas and connections. I'd really love to have somebody to talk about this book with because I'm betting that there are probably no two of us who read it in the exact same way, even though everybody that I've heard who's read this book has absolutely loved it. So really, really great book. If you just need a feel-good summer read, this is the one that you should get this year. You read it on consecutive days, if I'm reading your notes there right. I did. I finished it one day, and then I read the whole thing again the next day. What else needs said? It I was mean... a really good book. <laughs> must have been. <laughs> All right, then I read This is Not a Book About Benedict Cumberbatch by Tabitha Carvin. 
Which really wasn't a book about Benedict Cumberbatch. But it was at the same time. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I loved this book, too. Really can't say enough good things about it. Um, it's not a book about Benedict Cumberbatch because what it's really about is finding something that you love and chasing it with your whole heart, whatever that is, and not really worrying about whether other people think that it's frivolous or silly or whatever. Um, most people, I would say, go through lots of these kinds of hobbies or interests in the course of a lifetime. Like, it's not just one that probably that you'll stick with forever, although it could be. For this author, when she was a young mother, she discovered Benedict Cumberbatch, I believe, through Sherlock. And Which is entirely defensible, as it was a brilliant television with show. With how we discovered Capital Benedict Cumberbatch. That's right, true. Um, and you are a much bigger fan of the show than I am, as it just activates my anxiety it just gets me. it's so intense but it's a yeah. really really great show and he is brilliant as Sherlock and who's the guy who plays Watson Martin Freeman he is wonderful I mean it's a perfectly cast show but anyway Benedict Cumberbatch is magnificent and this author just falls in love with him and then she begins to explore for this book why is it that women feel women in particular feel so silly talking about the things that they love one of my favorite parts is when um, she is looking over at one of her office mates' workspace, and he is the fan of a particular sports team, and he has decked his cubicle out in everything to do with the sports team. And she looks back at hers, where it's covered in, like, Benedict Cumberbatch memorabilia, and she's like, why do people think mine is stupid and his is not? Well, it's funny. I hadn't made this connection before, and we've talked about this book a good deal. But you remind me vaguely of the Amanda Petrusich book about the collectors of old time mm -hmm. 78 records. Yeah. And the way that she kind of looks at that. And men are the ones who have these like weird hoarding things. <laughs> men will buy like 10,078 records. Women are not as bad for that. But I think societally, we would expect that it would tend to be women who would be more like, oh, I'm the Uber Benedict Cumberbatch fan. I don't know. But I mean, her, her writing points out that. Um, women are much more likely to feel bad about this and feel like there's something better they should be doing with their time than chasing purely something that they love. Also points out how men don't seem to struggle with this as much. Yeah. Men will take whole golfing weekends. They'll have a regular poker night. They'll whatever. Things that are, when you look at them at face value, really frivolous and mm, not... equally frivolous. Yeah, and, not yeah. not any better use of your time than watching a movie that you really, really like. Sure. Um, so anyway, I just thought this was really fascinating, especially, um, so especially for women, but I think men would benefit from reading it too, just as a way to kind of understand. Um, and it made me stop and think about what kinds of things that I really love and not just, you know, not just movies, but... We were going to talk about movies and TV shows. Mine would be Ted Lasso. <laughs> Entirely defensible. Sure. All right. Um, la oh, two more. Gosh. It All Comes Down to This by Teresa Ann Fowler is the next one that I read. This one had just beautiful writing. It's the story of three sisters who are trying to fo follow their mother's wishes with her property after she passes on, but also trying to figure out what to do with their own lives and how to handle the situations that they are in. It's not a dramatic book by any means. It's very well written. I did struggle to like any of these three sisters <laughs> for most of the book and really to like most of the characters, but the writing kept me with it. I thought it was a very well written book. 
And then the last one is called Funny You Should Ask by Elisa Sussman. And this also, there have been just a lot of books about normal people contact with movie stars lately. And a lot of books about pop culture. In this book, the main character is a young freelance writer who has been sent by a major magazine to interview a rising actor who's just been cast in the latest Bond movie. And it's very... Um, it, his being cast as Bond has been hotly debated. Would he really be a good Bond? And so kind of the idea here is that she's been sent to put a good spin on him, like write a really great piece with lots of personal access that will turn public opinion for him, which is what she does, but not at all in the way that she expected. And um, she does not expect to feel about him at all the way she ends up feeling about him. So, I really liked in this book the way that every chapter was followed by a piece of journalism. I mean, it's all it's fiction, it's a novel, but mm. still a piece of journalism, either an excerpt from her writing or other people's writing that kind of wove the bits of the stories together. Um, it jumped between that time when she wrote that interview to 10 years later uh, when they meet up for a second time. And those little bits of journalism just pieced the whole thing together. I thought the structure was really well done. I really, for somebody who it does not know anything about pop culture, like me, um, I'm surprised by how much I have truly enjoyed these stories about movie stars. But I have really, really enjoyed reading that and kind of thinking through those lives. So, that is what I have read over the past two weeks, except for our shared reads. Well. What have you been up to? All kinds of interesting things. Uh you know, no, no light, fluffy stuff here. The American Civil War and, and fun things like that. I so. may read too many light, fluffy things. Really. <laughs> that was intended to be the joke. <laughs> I like, don't know. Like, okay, I'll start with the American Civil War book just because it's the antithesis of light and fluffy and I finished it and I had to read something lighter and fluffier. It was Shelby Foote's Outstanding the Civil War, a Narrative Volume 1. I know of Shelby Foot through Ken Burns's Civil War series, where Shelby Foot was this dapper Southern gentleman who had all of these phenomenal stories, and he wrote a three-volume history of the Civil War, which must have taken him half his life because they're just mammoth, sprawling books. I listened to book one, and I feel like I started it in my twenties. I mean. I don't want to disparage this because it's incredibly well-written. It's so thorough. It's too thorough, if you're like me. But that's how he is, right? Yeah. What did we watch that had him in it? Well, he's in baseball. Ken okay, Burns. that was it. Ken Burns brought him back for other things. The, the baseball documentary yeah. by Ken Burns is what I was thinking yeah. of. And he is just that, that kind of thorough person. Yeah. He's always thoughtful. He always had beautiful things to say it's just it's it's hard to distill the civil war to a single narrative and he fights with it as well as anybody but at the end of the day i don't plan to go on to book two and book three i can't say that i didn't enjoy it because i did enjoy it but it's just so all-encompassing in scope that it was just daunting and as good as it was, I was glad to finish and move on to something else. Makes so. sense to me. Sometimes it goes that way. And the something else in this case, uh, actually, before that, I had finished 
a book that I have only highest praise for, Showtime, by Jeff Perlman. Subtitle is Magic, Kareem, Riley, and the Los Angeles Lakers Dynasty of the 1980s. And I came to this because of the HBO Showtime series, which I highly, highly recommend. It's very sort of NC-17 in content, but it's phenomenal television. Is that what you've been watching while you do the dishes, or have you been finishing The Sopranos I'm, still? I'm, I'm finishing The Sopranos okay. because I'm... As far as I know, I'm current on Showtime. I did have a thing. I had watched a couple episodes a few months ago, and they had stopped at that point. So I got to the end of what they had done. And then one night, I, I saw, they were like, Showtime, another episode. I'm like, another episode? And I got on, there were like four more. So I had to binge watch those. But at that point, I wanted to seek out the Perlman book. I had reserved it anyway. I finally got a chance to sit down and read it. Uh, Perlman's a phenomenal writer. The other book of his that I highly recommend is his book about the USFL, which was the upstart league that tried to counter the NFL. There was some some fellow who was involved with that. His name just totally escapes my mind. He was a big real estate guy out of New York, crazy hair, big ego. It seems like you're being sarcastic. I, I can't remember whatever <laughs> happened to him. He must have just fallen off the earth after the USFL went oh under. Oh, my goodness. But he, he figures in the narrative of that book. That, that That's a great, fascinating read. And Showtime is equally uh, phenomenal just to talk. You know, I forget sometimes how much sports can matter as a cultural thing. And that really was the case with the Showtime Lakers. It made the NBA relevant. That The Lakers and the Celtics both did to have that Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. But there also is Pat Riley uh, and, and you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is one of the greatest players ever. His kind of awkward place in all of this is fascinating. The egos of basketball. Basketball really is probably the most musical of the sports. It's like a band, and everybody out there can play, but you've got to have that weird X-factor chemistry. And as much as anything, that's what Showtime talks about and looks at and flashes back to. I uh, just really enjoyed it. All of Jeff's books are great, but Showtime might be his best one, but that USFL one, Football for Buck, I think is the name of it. Also hmm. a great one. Awesome. So. And then I read... One of the more interesting books I've read this year in terms of concept, uh, Craig Calcaterra's book, Rethinking Fandom, How to Beat the Sports Industrial Complex at Its Own Game, hmm. uh, which is a new book. It's uh, an interesting title. Well, Craig, Craig's such a good writer. I, I follow Craig on Twitter and uh, always enjoy what he's got to say. It's, it's an interesting idea. I mean, it's a deconstruction of sports fandom. And there's a lot of times in reading it where I'm just finding myself going, yeah, yeah, why why do we let billionaire owners hold cities hostage for new stadiums? Uh, why why do we you know, shame players for the labor problems when it's the owners who are filthier, stinking rich? Uh, the, my favorite part was the, the second half of the book. Craig offers some really interesting ideas about your fandom. And he says, be fickle. Be a bandwagon fan. Who cares? You know? Wow, that's some unusual advice. Yeah, exactly. And I loved his last chapter. He talked about getting into soccer. And like me, not a guy who grew up around that, but it's been liberating for him because he comes to it without a lot of preconceptions and without a lot of prepackaged ideas and is just free to enjoy it the way that it is. So... An interesting book, a book that uh, I'll probably circle back to again. Uh, 
it, it was a very quick read. I felt like I just kind of blew through it, but uh, he just gets to the point and goes with it. And again, a novel, a novel book, a topic I haven't read much about. And his spin sometimes was, you know, I, I kind of had to stop when he said, "Be a bandwagon fan." I mean, this goes against everything I, I think about fandom. Bandwagon yes, fans, terrible, how awful, but. As I read what he said, I found myself going, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I felt like I thought about that. Mm -hmm. So maybe I'm just going to pick up on Craig's tips. That's pretty cool. It was that. And then the last one, Sound Pictures, The Life of Beatles producer George Martin, the later years, 1966 to 2016. Is that the one that I kept picking up and asking you if you had read? No, George Martin wrote his own book, okay. which I have not read, which I really need to read. Because now I've read two books of Kenneth Womax. I think that's the second time on this podcast I've asked you about that book. <laughs> All You Need Is Ears is the okay. name of George Martin's book. And maybe I'll read it for the next episode. You won't. I, I want to. He's such an interesting <laughs> guy. The main takeaway for me, I didn't learn a lot about the Beatles stuff, which I felt like was a little too much of the book. It's not like George Martin didn't do anything else in his life. I loved the pre-Beatles insight I got into him. George Martin was such this like dapper, I mean, kind of like the British equivalent of Shelby Foote, you know. He, he's always got the right thing to say and is always polished and sounds nice saying it. I just assumed he came from this upper crust British family. He was the third generation heirs of the Duke of so-and-so. He was from this totally like working class background. Um, just got in on the ground floor of doing music producing and stayed with it. Obviously, bumping up against the Beatles was probably a mutually beneficial thing. He, he helped them a lot, but everything the Beatles touched turned to gold, including George Martin. So it was interesting. Um, I, I do want to go back and read Martin's book now. You Maybe because you bullied me into it. I but, didn't uh, bully you. I just asked you many, yeah. many times. If, if you're interested in the man, uh, Womack does a, a fine job chronicling him. I do wish he'd gone a little lighter on the Beatles just because I think that stuff's talked about in so many places. It's the other stuff that I found much more interesting. All right. This leads us to our shared we read for this week, which is called The Office the Office BFFs by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey. This is one of the rare times that we both, like we read it in this two weeks together, really. Mm -hmm. I finished it a little before you. Right. So this is um, another story about The Office. Apologies to all of you who are not Office fans as this we are. This is at least book three. This is at least book three we've discussed together on here. But maybe this is our fandom. This is our Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> um, anyway. This one is written by the, the women who played Pam and Angela on The Office and who, in taping of The Office, became best friends. They currently run a podcast called Office Ladies where they break down each episode of The Office and discuss it together. They bring in all the things that they remember. They bring in guests who were on The Office or worked on The Office. And in this book, they wrap up a lot of... Some of the same memories that they've shared with tons and tons of pictures because these women, these women archived and, and record, yeah. like kept great records of everything that happened on this show like nobody else. Um, it's told in their alternating voices. So in each chapter, Jenna will speak and then Angela and they just kind of go back and forth. There is one chapter that each of them 
just writes entirely on their own. And that chapter is about each of their individual characters' love relationships on The Office. Because Jim and Pam and Dwight and Angela are at the center, <laughs> uh, the non-Michael Scott center, at least, of The Office. So um, it was it's just a really refreshing way to hear this. We've read a couple of oral histories of The Office and really thoroughly enjoyed those. This one's kind of like an oral history because it's literally their own voices telling their stories. Um, and it did have a lot of the same stories that we've heard before. But it had some new stuff just because it was it came in the context and in the voice of their own particular friendship, which was a unique take that nobody else has written a book about before. Well, and you talked about documenting, and that's the thing that comes to mind. Yeah, as far as information here, I don't know that there was a ton of new stuff. There was some, but having listened to, I don't know, probably listened to a dozen or so episodes of their podcast, I knew some of these stories from there. And then I knew some of them from the, I think Andy Green did one book and then Brian Baumgartner, who is Kevin, uh, did a book and they did cover some of the same terrain. But but the pictures, the the, the knickknacks that they preserved and include, you know, in, in photo form in this book, that that really is a cool thing. I mean, it's one thing to be like, oh, they, they met with uh, so-and-so on this day, but they'll have a picture of them with so-and-so. And, you know, that, that really does kind of add something cool and, and unique uh, to this book. Yeah, they really kept all of that kind of thing. I think my favorite part about this book was the inside scoop about things that were tangential to the show, but not directly about the show, like the red carpets, the award ceremonies, the things <laughs> where they had just all kinds of crazy... This is apparently my movie star summer, and I'm reading everything that I can about... Yeah. You know, awards shows and movie stars. But um, the silly things even from the fact that, like, Angela's first red carpet, she wore white denim jeans from Target and layered two tank tops. And then there's this picture of her, and they went with the dog. I was going to say, but it was a red carpet for dogs, wasn't it? Yeah, right. So there's just so many fun things that there's no way you would have known otherwise. And it really is a really cool tribute to friendship. And to the way that we hang on to each other through all the different years and the things that would come between us and the ways that um, working together, you know, work families, families, I put that in quotes, you know, <laughs> that's not, it's not really meant to be your main source of family, but it's really, really cool when you can make um, that kind of friends at work. Absolutely. If you're looking for one all-encompassing book, this is probably not it. It's thinner than the other two. It's a much quicker read. Uh, but but yeah, it's it's more personal. And again, I, I did enjoy the, the photos, which complement kind of the inside stories. If you're like us and you can't get enough office, you'll enjoy this. If you're, if you're looking for one book, I guess I would Andy probably Green. send you the green one. Yeah, yeah because it, it's got a little more distance that, that the people who were involved in the show maybe can't. Also, it spread itself out more. It talked to more people in all aspects of making the show, not just the stars. Right. So if that's what you're after, go there. But if you couldn't get enough office and want a little more, well... It was just a really... that's what she said. A really fun light... Oh, thank you for that. (laughs) Really fun light read. (laughs) (laughs) Next time, we are going... Segway. Yeah. I am moving on. (laughs) Next time, we are going to read The Gunkle by Stephen Rowley. I read it last summer and absolutely loved it. If you're interested in hearing about that before we talk about it in two weeks, 
I don't know what episode it is, but it's back there somewhere and you can find it. Um, but Joe, you're going to read it over these next two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's one we've kind of kicked around a few times and uh, you, say, oh, you should read that. Okay, that's fine. It's not a thousand page Civil War book. So. It is absolutely not something you would pick up on your own. It would not be something that I think would normally fall into your shelves in any way. But I really do think that you're going to just have a good time reading it. And you need to lighten up a little bit. Something so. a little light, a little <laughs> bit fun. Yeah, Let, let's do it. Sounds good. Um, if you have any thoughts about the books that we've talked about today or anything else that you think would fit with the themes of our separate summer reading, you can let us know at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod or on Twitter at pbackreaderspod. You can even get together with us like our friend Andy, who we had to sit down with, and he told us how wrong we are about uh, Marilyn Robinson's Gilead. So much fun to meet yeah. with Andy, though. That Absolutely. Was awesome. it's, it's, it's good to remember that, uh, to steal the Bruce Springsteen line, there's, there's somebody alive out there and hopefully hearing our words, and we're grateful for any feedback you can show. So, I guess that's it. Until next time, keep reading.